Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and I'm joined today by two very special guests, Mr. Dave Benner and Adam Fargo from the Libertarian Party of Tennessee. We've been chatting back and forth a, a little bit. I don't know which one you guys have been talking to for a little bit now. But anyway, uh, how are you guys doing? Everyone good? Doing just all right. Yeah, thanks for having us. So yeah, thank you. either one of you, uh, we've been talking back and forth through Twitter now for a bit, and we've got, uh, hopefully we've got a good conversation here about messaging and messaging is overall for the Libertarian Party. But before we get into that, whoever wants to go first, you can kind of give us a backstory of who you are, where you came from, what you're doing. Yeah, Nate, I'll do that. So uh, I'm Dave. I'm the director of the communications committee in the Libertarian Party of Tennessee. I'm joined with Adam here. Both of us are active members and we run the social media platforms for the state party affiliates. So um, both of us are very involved in the Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And we're just trying to spread the word both locally and wider than that to draw people into libertarianism. Awesome. And where are you guys from originally? Are you just Tennessee, born and raised? Where are you from? Well, I'll go first there. Uh, I've lived all over the place. And the next question everyone asks me, am I a military child? No. Um, my dad just moved me around the country. I was born in Dallas, Texas, moved to Illinois, moved to Ohio, moved to California. And then I moved here. And then I went to college in New Jersey and Mississippi. So I've, I've well-traveled, but I've lived here for the past 15 years. Now, we've had uh, some conversations with people over the last week. We went to the, the Libertarian Party convention. It was really fun. Uh, both Charlie and I said that we're going to sign up for the Libertarian Party of Tennessee specifically. Um, don't don't know what we can do with national yet, but uh, we we were really interested in what's going on in Tennessee. It looks like some some great stuff. And uh, Dave doing a doing a great job for sure. Met a lot of really good people last weekend. Now we had some conversations about messaging. I spoke to some people who uh, have been members of the party for a long time, been in the leadership of the party for a long time, who think that the direction the party's going right now is not the direction that it needs to go. Did you guys hear that there's kind of a like a dust up in the libertarian party right there's a, a little bit of infighting going on which is a brand new thing that we've never seen in the what? party there yeah. has been since oh. i joined in 2004 i'll just say yeah <laughs> but so where do you guys come down on this uh current divide and direction that it's going at the moment well in our roles for the tennessee communications committee we're trying to represent the entire state party and there are as you mentioned various different factions uh people that prioritize issues and strategies a little bit differently speaking for myself personally and not the state party i'm an ardent supporter of the mises caucus a more radical direction for the party that emphasizes austrian economics radical political decentralization and opposition to identity politics um, but again that's not everyone in the party that's me personally yeah and what what about you adam um let's see i kind of come from the side of the mises caucus too kind of radical also um but 
in the national, uh, we kind of just want to, we want to message in the state party, how we'd want to see national message. I mean, it's no secret in 2020 nationals kind of, kind of dropped the ball uh, with COVID. I mean, armed and neutral. No one wants to hear that when everyone's businesses are getting shut down by blue and red states. And everyone's wanting to say, oh, the blue states were tyrants. Well, so were the red states. And that's where we come in and to say, hey, same side, same coin, pretty much. Yeah. So I was a member of the national of, of LP national until 2020 hit. And I felt like I wasn't getting, I was like, why am I a member of this party? Uh, heck, I, they're not even saying the things that the Republican Party is saying that I, that I like right now. I need someone to talk about the fact that people have been locked in their houses and their businesses have been shut down, their livelihoods have been taken away from them. I, I saw a, a couple tweets from LP National about that throughout this entire time, I feel like. Uh, but there's also a flip side where you could say things that are, say, uh, have a lot of shock value and and can be pretty crazy and i don't see a lot of that from from the twitter uh from libertarian party of tennessee now i'm interested to get your takes on that i'm sure you're aware of some of the accounts that would be known for more shock value tweets uh, what, what, what do you think <laughs> um shock value tweets like i said in the social media workshop with dave uh, no publicity is bad publicity, but in politics, sometimes it can be, and that's what some people have got to got to get into people's heads. It's not all publicity is bad, uh, good publicity in politics, but at the same time, Donald Trump rode that way very, very well. But I think the shocking tweets bring people to us, and they will look at us a little bit. Uh, but in, at the same time, if they are too shocking or too out there, but with us, like they're going to reject you and block you. Us, we kind of want to touch that line of radical and kind of touch the line of, um, what's it called, uh, shocking, but still be sound like we're trying to get people to our movement. Yeah, and I'll just say, I truly believe in getting to the heart of our platform in clever ways. And if that's considered edgelording, I'm an edgelord then. We have been <laughs> accused of that at times, and everyone kind of has their own definition for it. But I don't apologize for that. If you look at the LP's platform, it is a radical platform. Just a cursory examination is bound to turn some people away. But we remain libertarians regardless, and we're proud of it. Um, we don't have a a problem articulating it and you know some of our biggest tweets probably could be considered in that vein for instance our biggest one ever says Karl Marx's writings have ruined more lives than Joe Rogan's podcast so you know I defend that <laughs> yeah that's and maybe because of my bias when I look at that I don't see that as some kind of edge lord tweet or anything I'm like okay yeah that's true all right I get it I get it for sure uh Karl Marx are responsible for well kind of responsible for a lot of deaths i don't the people who do that are responsible but you guys know what i mean um so what what i'm wondering is there's people that are teetering on the edge uh maybe they think about libertarianism they don't and there are also people who are just never going to be turned off by some of this message or never going to be interested by any of the messaging that gets put out there and so I, I wonder what bias I, I come from when I'm looking. But there are some tweets from a couple of the accounts. I can see that they could be bad publicity uh, for sure. And I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what we need to do as far as the messaging goes, because there's a weird incentive, right? You said that one of your more edgy tweets, well, that one ended up being the most popular one, right? Have you guys seen that incentive to 
say the craziest thing you can think of? Yeah, certainly so. I mean, the platform is essentially built on saying, you know, outlandish things or even like heaping trash on other people in a way. So there is a balance both between articulating the radical and most unique facets of our ideology and going above and beyond that. So we have to kind of tread that balance. But if it's done in a careful and uh, considerable way that stands out from the corporate media narrative, I'm all for it. You know, these days being edgy would be like taxation is theft. That's a crazy edgy thing right there. I mean, just think about that. Uh, or human beings, yeah. people own themselves. Ooh, that's some crazy <laughs> stuff. That's crazy. Come on now. Yeah, I know. I, we shouldn't even put this out on the podcast saying crazy stuff like that. We're, we're representing the Libertarian Party in a really bad way. What do you see as the main ideology of the Libertarian Party and... In another addition to that, this division that we see in the party, do they actually have different ideologies or they just have differences on messaging? I think they have differences in messaging. I don't I don't really think that it's really a different in ideology. I think people want to spread the ideology in a different way. I think that's what the biggest, biggest uh, infighting thing is. Like messaging. It's obviously messaging. Um let's see what was that what was what did you say uh, right first before thing that? Was just but how would you describe overall libertarianism in general okay. what's that what does that mean to you uh decreasing the scope and size of the government that should literally be our calling card we are going to decrease the scope and size of the government and it's that is it like if you don't agree with that like i'll show you why yeah so you, just, you generally don't look to the government to solve any of the problems that we have right now, Absolutely right? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's the government reducing its own size, in which case it might be actually helping to solve a problem when it when it does that. That's the only really government action I like is the government shrinking itself. <laughs> that's about it, which I, I heard that's something that's possible. I've never really seen it before, but I read it. I read it in a book one time. <laughs> the, Can I answer that too? Nate? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll just say it like to me. Libertarianism is both a moral and political philosophy that emphasizes self-ownership, non-aggression, and property rights. And basically all parts of our philosophy kind of are under that umbrella or spread from those focal points, right? And as far as the factional divides that exist in the party, ever since the early 1970s when the party was formed, the classic divide is between pragmatists and radicals. The pragmatists generally, as a general statement, want to um, expand liberty incrementally, um, try to do what's practical to do that over time, whereas radicals really want to focus on the principles and kind of emphasize more a more pure form of libertarianism. Um, right now, there are similar divides like that. Um, you know, in recent times, the pragmatist caucus, the radical caucus, and the Mises caucus have been the most prominent. Um, the first of those have dissolved, the second two remain, but there are different people. And I think more of what divides them is methodology and priorities over ideology. There is some ideological divide, but that's not the focal point of the schisms, I think. That's the part that really, I think, bothers me seeing the divide from somewhat outside of the party is that I do feel like most of the people have the same ideology. We're really just arguing over the messaging. And uh, so I, I, I hope we can all continue to work together with everyone towards that ideology, even though there's differences on the messaging itself. Sometimes the messaging can make it feel like the ideology is different, but we're really just talking about how you present it. Uh, so kind of a 
uh, maybe a tougher thing here on the pra- pragmatic side. What do you, either one of you guys think would be the benefits of going the pragmatic way? And what do you think would be the downsides to going the radical or Mises way? Either one of those. Just to talk, you know, just so we can make sure that we're steel manning or, you know, thinking about where everyone else is coming from because we got to be ready for, I, I also align more with the Mises side as well. I'm not True. actively involved in anything, but um, that's that's definitely where, where I end up coming down, even though I actually haven't read any Mises, by the way, but don't tell anyone that at all. But I, So what I'm wondering is, what are the good things that need to that need to be brought over from the pragmatic side and remain? And what are the potential negative things from the radical or Mises side that we could potentially let go of? Well, I'm biased here, but I'll just say, you know, a pragmatist approach emphasizes elections, which is part of, but not all of what we do. Like if you look at our bylaws, our article two says that that is a big part of the role of the party. And some of the pragmatists that I know in the party for long years are some of the best campaign managers, um, best uh, organizers, et cetera. Um, What I do worry about is, pragmatism to the point where you're compromising principles. This is just me personally speaking again. So if you tend to just avoid parts of the platform for fear, it's going to ruffle feathers, especially integral parts. I mean, like the national party is done with lockdowns for more than a year before even addressing that publicly. Um, That's a big issue. And I don't have no sympathy for, um, you know, watering down the message to that point. Um, As far as Mises, again, I'm biased. Um, I think most of what the caucus has done has been great and bring bringing in the biggest voices from the party and things like that. But I think that um, pot- potentially some of the disruption that Mises will cause might bring bad people out of the part or good people out of the party that would have otherwise stayed. And, you know, I try to make it a point, as I know Adam does in the state, to make sure to let people know, like, I have my personal preferences, but all brands and colors of libertarians are welcome in the party. Absolutely. Yeah, we had a conversation with Dan uh, Fishman, and and it seemed like his main concern were the was the block voting and basically installing one hundred percent of this one this one side of the argument right now, and and pretty much making sure we got rid of everyone that was more on the pragmatist side. He was just saying that there needs to be some representation uh, and all that, and I don't know. I guess you could say, well then win the election. <laughs> like that's, that'd be one thing that you could say back to that. But yeah. I, I just, I want to make sure that we go in the right direction because, okay, take 2020, for example, and the, uh, the riots. Uh, let's just talk about that side. Now, okay. I believe Joe Jorgensen had a pretty famous, infamous tweet about uh, <laughs> being actively anti-racist, something like that. That is how it went. And that was perceived to maybe be in support of those. Now, we had her on the show right afterwards, and she was very clear that she did not support any of uh, the rioting, the looting, and, and anything like that. Um, what what bothers me about this whole idea that, is that libertarianism actually offers a solution to what a lot of people were rioting and looting over, which is criminal justice reform yes. and decreasing the power of the state, decreasing the uh, amount of instances that people have to deal with police in, in the first place, which would take down all of the numbers across the board on everything. 
And then we end up being seen as by by some libertarians as supporting like the rioting and looting. I don't know if we do a good enough job explaining why libertarianism would solve all the problems that everyone's yeah. upset about. So then we just end up not gaining anything out of that is what it is what it feels like to me. What do you think about the messaging that happened during all, all of the riots and all that? A lot of it got taken the wrong way and it, it yeah. wasn't enough wasn't said. I mean, um, let's see the riot and looting. I mean, it took the libertarian party like a couple days to talk about the riots, which no one should have their property destroyed. Absolutely. Nobody. That's horrible. Don't, I mean, if they're peaceful protesting, I will fight for the right to do that all the day, every day, no matter what the message is, if they are peaceful, peaceful people deserve to be left alone. Um, but it took them over a year. Oh, like, I don't know, Dave, like a couple months before they talked about COVID. Uh, it, it, come on now. That's like the government sh- forcing business to shut down. That's property rights too. That's a property rights I- issue too. Why, why is the government telling us what, when we can and can't run our businesses? Right. I mean, that's a, like a chief principle of libertarianism and we didn't use it. It took us months. It should have been right off the bat like that. Why do you, why do you guys think that is? Because I've heard scared to ruffle the feathers of the beltway. Bingo. That's my appointment. That's my opinion. Absolutely. Because of that, I didn't want to ruffle people's feathers because I saw a famous tweet that, uh, that came out or it was probably a tweet. I don't know if it was a tweet or it was saying before there's no libertarians in a pandemic and people are like, Oh my God, I don't want to be a libertarian caught in the middle of a pandemic. And then they jump ship. Mm. way too much fear uh porn that went around during it yeah just and i don't feel like the libertarian party is something that should be scared to say something uh that would be considered we're we're talking about some of the worst violations that we've seen over the last several decades of the rights of people in the u.s i mean taking destroying businesses and then they boast about some of them coming back like they actually created some kind of growth don't get me started on that uh it's I mean, it's it's insane what we've seen. And if anyone had the moral leg to stand on during that time, it would have been the Libertarian Party. And we lost it. And I just wonder how many people they lost throughout that time. You can support people's private property rights while also saying something like, uh, take it, take this seriously. You know, if you don't have to be around someone, you know, just I don't know. Be responsible for yourself, essentially. I yeah. guess that's a crazy radical thing, too. I don't know. Self-ownership is, is radical? Oh, no. <laughs> Say that. No radicalism in here. Come on, my guys. Who are, uh, but I was going to ask earlier, but who are you guys as some, some of you guys' biggest influences? You know, we, I mentioned I haven't actually read okay. any Mises. My bad, but, you know, Ayn Rand, for me, has been a really big one. And and then Milton Freeman, Thomas Sowell, stuff like that. But who are some of the other people I need to make sure I read? I'll go first. Rothbard. If that's a- Murray Rothbard, um, <laughs> Henry Hazlitt, uh, Ayn Rand. Yeah. And Scott Horton. Don't forget Scott Horton. <laughs> for me, I'll say absolutely Murray Rothbard. He was actually the gateway for me to libertarianism. But I'm a child of the Ron Paul revolution. Absolutely Ron Paul. Harry Brown. Um, uh, I will say the classic liberal theorists like Algernon Sidney, John Locke, Thomas Jefferson, and also Mises. Absolutely. So those would be my. 
I've got some more reading to do for sure. I'll have to catch up on that. And I told, uh, I was told by someone over the weekend, because I said I Rand was one of my biggest influences, and they said that meant I probably didn't align with the Mises Caucus, which I thought she was like the most radical self-ownership private property person that there was out there. But uh, I guess maybe there's more. Who knows? Um, so we'll uh, we'll put down a nice little reading list here for people to pay attention to. As far as that goes, I'm making notes as we go. I wanted to make sure that we talk about you guys are doing state party politics. There's the yes. national party as well. What needs to be focused on for libertarians? There's always this conversation. Charlie and I have it all the time. National party. We you know we're not going to win those elections right now. We need to focus on local at the moment. What, what do you think on that? I think that both can be focused on at the same time. I think that local is most important though. If let's say there's a gun law that comes out you don't like, you can you can do a two-way sanctuary inside your county or do a local or uh, ban COVID mandates at the local level. I think localizing government, if you don't agree with your state government is the most important thing to do. But at the same time, we got it. It's not just freedom for me also. It's gotta be, I would love to see everybody free. I would love to see everyone free from the clutches of the government, but I, we need to start with our communities first. I feel like. Yeah, I think thinking and acting locally is essential. Um, but at a national level, as you ask Nate, I'll say messaging and coalitioning around issues rather than individuals. And what I mean by that is, you can lay every all your differences on the table and not compromise your principles one iota. For instance, if you kind of ally with the ACLU to shut down the surveillance apparatus, um, you can work with, you know, right-wing populists to um, oppose gun control and set up gun sanctuary cities. Same thing exists for like right to try legislation, defend the guard legislation, stuff like that, where you don't have to agree with all of your political allies for, with that issue on everything. And that is essential for an organization like ours, I think. What's the most important thing that people in the state of Tennessee the libertarians need the rally around right now. Is it the ballot access issue? Yes. Uh, ballot access, yes. And uh, we also have a bill that's coming out to ban Delta 8 also, which would take out a bunch of our farmers. Mm. Uh, I know one of our uh, elected officials, Cole Ebel, Ebel, I, his last name, I've heard it called both. I e just Ebel to is how I've always said it, but who knows? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he has a business and that would hurt him too. So I, he's been very, very vocal about that too. I had not yeah, in addition to those, I'll just add um, drug decriminalization or legalization. We have some of the harshest laws against that, even when it comes to um, hemp and marijuana. So um, there's a few focal points here, but those three that we just talked about, I think are very important. Now, did you see that the House, the U.S. House is going to be bringing a marijuana decriminalization bill into committee on Monday uh, of this next week. So uh, I wonder how that will affect each of the states. I guess the states can then make their own, you know, their rules that they yes. probably already have outside of that. But do you think that's actually going to happen at a national level? I think it will. I think it happens. It can happen at the national level. I think that it's popular opinion that we should legalize marijuana at the uh, federal level. I mean, even most Republicans even even agree <laughs> marijuana should be legal. Yeah. Uh, there's never been an overdose of marijuana either. I mean, if we're <laughs> going to say it's not safe, we should be banning alcohol, but 
My answer is I I think possibly, but I don't care because the feds aren't sending tanks into Oregon, California, um, Colorado, all the states that have loosened the restrictions, despite the federal government's insistence that this is still illegal. They have lost this argument. It will fall like dominoes. This issue is already won. And yeah, I'd love to see symbolically the federal government drop that, but they're not fooling anyone. They've lost this war. Yeah, I think my my biggest thing, because we have the FDA and we have the, the control over everything in the medical field, I think decriminalizing uh, with a descheduling or whatever it is that they have to do so they can allow more drug trials, things like more more information to get out there for people and officially sanctioned by your FDA and, the, and all these smart people that we really care what they think about all that, that that could help when it comes to medical for sure. So that that's mainly the thing that I would like to see come from that. I just wonder if people in the uh, in the pharmaceutical industry are going to have anything to say about that. I think I think they possibly will. Um, okay, I wanted to get back to another hot button issue going on, and what you what you guys would tweet about this: um, trans rights or human rights. Just saw that tweet from the Libertarian Party of Texas earlier today. Now that's to me that's a, it sounds like a true statement to tell you, to tell you the truth yeah but are you guys uh are you guys tweeting any uh, crazy radical stuff when it comes to this right now or you, you kind of want to stay away from it none of your business I mean trans rights are human rights yeah. but I mean, it doesn't need to be reiterated that's where we stand I feel like <laughs> but you have you officially virtue signaled that though you know I mean, you got to throw that signal out there <laughs> no one knows unless you throw the signal out there for people to see if you don't tweet this if you don't tweet this and you're obviously anti-trans i'm just that's all i'm saying <laughs> yeah, i'm pushing yeah, right. i'm pressing you guys on this right and, now. <laughs> and we didn't so i guess i guess so but uh no i mean to me it's kind of it's like saying water's blue or the sky is is upward i mean it, it doesn't say anything particularly unique that separates us from the other two parties, not to say that I think it's particularly wrong either. Our platform does say, you know, bigotry is repugnant. Um, so, you know, that kind of tweet, it doesn't bother me as much as some other people, but it just isn't unique enough for me to like hang my laurels on that. Um, we have tweeted on those issues at times when we thought that the state had engaged in overreach against transsexuals in regard to like bathroom laws. There was one of those this last year. So we tweeted on that subject, but we haven't just done only the virtue signal signaling on it. Yeah, I think this is a really uh, it's it's a different conversation than we've had to have about everything else. And I just wonder how many more things could happen that could divide people even more and and separate everyone out even more than possible. You see it, either one of you see a path towards unification of the U.S. whatsoever, like socially, or is it just going to keep getting worse? Um, it's I I don't see the media slowing uh, down to because divisive behavior from the media is what sells. And as long as they're getting clicks and money, they're not going to stop. And so the mainstream media is always dividing us somehow, racially, politically, class, always dividing us. And I don't think the mainstream media will ever stop dividing us that way. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, there's incompatibilities in every region of the country, every corner of the country um, that divides us. And, you know, when the Constitution was ratified, there was one one hundredth of the people uh, that are here today. I mean, our Congress isn't even representative 
of the people anymore. There's one representative for every approximately 750,000 people. It's just not adequate representation anymore. Um, I'm really big on political decentralization, withdrawing consent to one's political arrangement or political union. I know that is probably you know, one of the most radical ideas we espouse, but it's well-founded in our platform. And I say, let both uh, wayward sisters go their ways in every situation. I mean, we would all benefit, I think, if California left the union, if Texas left the union, if Tennessee left the union, if any state left the union. I wanted to, if you don't mind me asking about some specific issues, I just don't want to, uh, I guess we have to say, you know, these are your personal views right here and not not specifically the views of the party and the Libertarian Party of Tennessee or anything, but okay, private companies. We just had a massive argument in our in our pre-show group a couple days ago. I mean, heated exchange because Charlie and I come down on the lines of a uh, private company. They could require vaccinations if they want to. That's been a division between libertarians. And it, I need I need someone to convince me why I'm wrong on that, and I'm still looking for it. And I didn't know if either one of you had that or if you come down on the same idea that I do. I don't think you're wrong about it, but I don't think that's what we've seen in the last year and a half. We've seen immense coercion by the feds and the state-level authorities to force these companies to do that. So notwithstanding state pressure, I'm all for that, but that's not how this has manifested in the last year and a half. Yeah, I agree with Dave. Um, Without coercion from the government, I, if a private company says you have to do something, I, I mean, private company says you have to have a vaccine. I mean, choose not to work there. Choose not to shop there. Just spend your, uh, but like what most people say, vote with your money, yeah. work with your money. So, yeah. I mean, if they go out of business because they required a vaccine, I mean, you need to adjust to the free market. The free market provides, free market uh, decides too. And so what do you do in this scenario then when they are pressured let's say it's not even with a specific law saying they have to require it but there's some other incentive structure set up uh financially for them for them to do that that they've set up to incentivize them in that direction so uh is what states have done basically banning companies from requiring that or uh, what is that the way that we have to go right now i hate going to the government for a solution for these problems uh but what what do you guys think we should do to fix that? Yeah, I, I don't profess to, you know, or suggest to wield the power of the state to prevent that. I think boycotting those businesses is the most powerful censure against it. And, um, you know, disrupting the political status quo that thinks that the state can get in the bed of the corporations and do this. I mean, the architect of fascism, Benito Mussolini, said that fascism was the merger of corporate power and state power. So, I mean, we need to oppose that as a party, but I wouldn't, you know, uh, basically use the power of the state to to try to impede upon the rights of someone that owns their own business. Yeah, yeah. What, I, what I worry about with that is, let's say we were going to craft a law and the law said that a business may not require customers or employees to provide proof of the vaccination. What I hear from that is those private property owners don't have the ultimate rights over their private property and who enters yeah. that property and who doesn't enter that property. That's what I hear from that. And so when I hear that law coming out, what I hear is we have created an official law, not that 
not that we don't have plenty of other ones saying the same thing, but we've created an official law that says you don't have the right to your private property and we yeah. can uh, decide this for you. And so then I'm wondering, okay, we just drew a line. Who's going to decide where to move that line back and forth uh, as we, as we go forward. So I just, I hate that we keep having, we keep having these arguments with our people in the group all the time. And uh, I've been steel manning this in my head as much as possible. I really have been thinking, everyone listens in the private group. I really have been thinking about y'all a lot and I'm sorry, but you're still wrong. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> just to let everyone know. <laughs> uh, so tell me about some of the stuff coming up for the, uh, for the party. What's the plan right now to continue growing? And what's the plan to, you know, you guys do outreach in the community, things like that. I was hearing, uh, I talked to Dave about, so what's the plan going forward right now? Um, right now, uh, ballot access and getting LaMichael Wilson, who was our governor candidate onto the ballot is our main focus right now. I know he had a ballot access drive at, um, Tennessee brew works last night where we just came out and we got some signatures. Nice. Uh, what's he have to get about 56,000 signatures, 56,000 signatures. Uh, if you're a Tennessee voter, um, there was a bill in the house, I believe. Um, in the Tennessee House, where it was going to decrease that from 56,000 just to a f uh, not a variable amount of signatures, a fixed amount of signatures uh, to 11,000, and it failed. So if you're uh, how a representative voted no on it, we need you uh, to vote them out this November. Yeah, I believe it only lost by two votes. And from what I heard, one of them was an accident, an accidental vote in the wrong direction, is what Justin yeah. said. And so very, very close. And that means that you only need to change a couple of those seats to do that and then have the chance of getting libertarians on the ballot. And I really do think that Tennessee is a state that would consider elected libertarians more than a lot of other states if they could actually Absolutely. get on the ballot. That would be nice. They would. But it's tough to get people to come out. It's tough to get 56,000 signatures for a ballot. I mean... Were you going to find, I guess you'd stand outside a Preds game or something and just keep doing that all the time, but. That's only 17,000 though. Yeah. You have to do a tight game. So. Yeah. And not all yeah. of them are going to sign up. And if you go again, you're going to risk having doubles and, and all of that, having a bad count. Yeah. And. hundred percent. I just, that I, I have this attitude every time I talk about it. I cannot believe how just egregious and blatant the rules are to try to keep other people off the ballot. I mean, they're not even, they're not even trying to hide it. It's literally like, we're the parties that are in power. We don't want anyone else to have a chance of being in power. And so we're going to make these rules to keep everyone else off the ballot. This is actual voter suppression happening. It's the, it's the most bipartisan issue in that there is. And I say that in its negative sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, there is unlimited incentive to keep us down, keep all of our energies tied into that. Um, if that's what the state wants to do, that's where we have to fight them. Um, I do want to give a shout out to, to our other candidates. So we are focusing on a lot of local level candidates. Dave Jones, as you know, is running for U.S. Congress against Desjardins. Um, We have local level candidates, Nick Sawwell, Stephen Chambers, Joey Dassinger, and some others running too. So just want to give yeah. them shout outs too. Absolutely. Yeah. Any of those that, uh, let's see, we had Dave on a couple times. I need to make sure I talked to uh, Michael. I just got an email uh, from someone about him this morning. I'm going to try and get him on. And then I need to get the other candidates on as well. Even though we're not members of the party officially, I still want the party to do well. And obviously I want libertarians to be the ones that get elected. 
um, we just, you know, I got I got turned off in 2020 from from the whole idea, and I'm I guess now that it might be changing in the other direction, it could be a good thing. And and by the way, what Tennessee is doing, Dave was telling me about going out into the community, uh, the homeless shelters, doing uh, doing stuff like that. That was actually what sway. It wasn't the convention. Uh, before that, when I talked to Dave about that, that was actually what swayed me to wanting to join the state party because I was like, okay, even if, you know, there's a low chance of being elected, at least I'm going to join a group that's going out into the community and doing really good things. Like you can fall back on that. Why am I doing this? And, and that's a great idea for not just the one in Tennessee, but I hope all of the other state level parties are doing the same thing, getting involved out there in the community Get your go have face to faces with people and maybe they'll see, well, you know, I heard some bad stuff on MSNBC and Fox News about libertarians. And uh, these guys aren't in their underwear dancing around on the stage or anything. And, and it, oh, and, you don't know, Nate. You don't know. <laughs> I thought maybe we were going to see some of that last weekend, but what uh, we do in our personal lives is our business, Nate. So, hey, that's fine. Don't force anyone else to do it. And uh, that's. That's kind of a, a that's a tough thing about the libertarianism, though, right? Because you know you want people to be able to do to be themselves and do what they want, and if they're not uh, forcing anyone to do anything, uh, trying to control other people's lives, like, okay, uh, maybe that guy's a little bit weird. Who knows? Maybe or maybe he's just you know he doesn't fit into a normal box that people would say, but he's not trying to kill people overseas he's not trying to take your money from you forcefully like sure he dresses different but he's a part you know he can join up with us and be a member of our party and then that ends up that idea ends up getting used against you afterwards sucks (laughs) he does have a boot on his head right yeah (laughs) maybe you know i'll be honest i thought the boot was a little far but i heard that that brought people into the party so you know, I was already a libertarian. You're gonna spike Cohen. That's all I gotta say. I gave a spike Cohen best libertarian minds in the game right now. So I get enthused about libertarianism every time I hear Spike talk. Like he is so good, and like right. he needs to be out there on TV messaging libertarianism. I don't even care if it's for the party. I don't care what faction it's for. Libertarianism ideology. He is so good at talking to people from where they are and about the issues that they care about that affect them on a level that I, I mean, I, I haven't really seen from a lot of libertarians. It's, totally. He's brilliant. What Harry Brown and Ron Paul did in the past, Spike Cohen and Dave Smith are doing today. So I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, I, I agree on that for sure. So who, who do you guys think the nominee is going to be? Doesn't mean that it has to be the person that you're supporting. Who do you think the, who do you think is going to get it? My gut says Dave Smith, but it's going to be close between him and Spike, I think. Yeah. Um, Justin Amash uh, or Dave Smith, I think is going to be one of the two nominees. Yeah? you th- Justin Amash? Justin Amash. You're going to go for it? Okay. All right. I would love Justin Amash, yes. I will be, we ta- we've had this conversation on the podcast before. I, I have a hard time deciding between Dave and Spike and the only thing that strategically sways me towards anyone is Dave because of literally just because of his friendship with Joe Rogan. That's about it. Um, I think, I think Spike is a better messenger. I'm sorry. I think he's a better messenger for the most amount of people, but 
maybe I'm completely wrong and I'm willing to be wrong. And if Dave's name's on the ticket, I'll vote for him. If uh, if Amash is on the ticket, I'll vote for him. And if Spike's on the ticket, I'll vote for him. So that's uh, that's here, good. Here. So hell yeah. Where does everyone go to get involved? Before we get out of here, I want to make sure that we got the right links. And by the way, I'll have them in the show notes for everyone who hears them right now. LPTN.org. Click the donate link. You can be a state party member for 25 bucks annually. That also gives you rights to vote in our annual convention, which we just had. You were just at, Nate. Um, please consider donating to us. Get involved in your local affiliate. There's a link up at the top of the page for our regions. It has contact info. Click there. Get in touch with these people. Join the party. Please help us. The omnipotent state isn't going to go away just by complaining. Please help us. Absolutely. Love it. So, guys, that's just a little bit over two bucks a month to be to be a part of something and and help make a difference. All right. So LPTN.org. Make sure you go do that. I'll put the links to all the social media. Thank you guys so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Nate. Appreciate uh, you immensely for having us.